So welcome everyone to my first episode of Track Talk, a new series as part of Live From My Drum Room, exclusive to Live From My Drum Room. And uh, I appreciate you tuning in today for my very first episode. And it's a pleasure to welcome my guest, the incredible Stan Lynch. And today we're going to talk about his iconic drum track on Stop Dragging My Heart Around. So there he is, live from Florida. Hi, John. Hi, Stan. Nice to see you. Man, you're just the picture of, of just cool and handsome and all that and more. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, Stan, I tried, um, I tried testing to see if the track came through the broadcast, and it doesn't. So, you know, so we're going to go. We're just going to go the way I thought we'd be going with it. So. Fine. That's all right. Yeah, we can. You're a pro. I'm sort of a pro. We'll make it work. Sure. We got a whole bunch of folks watching, including the great David Garibaldi, who, holy cow. Well, I yeah. got to sit up straight when yeah. David Garibaldi's watching. Yeah. Oh, my God. Fix my hair. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DG, great to see you out in the audience today. Oh, man. And so many of your friends and fans are watching, Stan. So thank you for doing this today. Sure. All right. So first episode, I, I got a little bit of a format. We're going to jump right in today and um, stop dragging my heart around. I love this song. And I first of all, want to tell everybody what I said to you, Stan, last week or when we spoke about this. There are so many songs that you played on, and they are all, in my opinion, and I think other drummers, iconic so thank you for agreeing to doing this song because it's a little bit out of little bit out of order, so to speak. You know, I mean, breakdown is every bit iconic, um, a, a drum track as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. We'll dispense come back to that. Pleasantries. Dispense with these. Okay. Onward. Okay. <laughs> On we go. Okay. Um, so stop dragging my heart around. Uh, recorded at Sound City. Correct. Um, which is you'd recorded Damn the Torpedoes there. Other records other than Damn, was that the first record you did at Sound City or? That's that's right. That was okay. the, uh, that's when we met Shelly Akis and Jimmy Iovine. Yeah. Right around for Damn the Torpedoes. And then Jimmy and Shelly, I think, did the subsequently about another two or three albums beyond. I think we did, I think we did three albums together, I think is what yeah. I'm. That's in my head. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, and it was this, that great recipe that you guys developed for damn the torpedoes that you continued for hard promises and onward. And, and, and that was my next point, which was Shelly Yakis, the great engineer mm. who got that incredible drum sound in the record before. So you, you were, you know, you kind of were off to the races, so to speak. And you, you the, I guess to, to jump into the song. Sure. Um, you don't remember, I know it was recorded in 1981. Just, was it the springtime, roughly? Was it, do you remember? You know, those sessions kind of would just drag on. And they would, it would like, we were on kind of a yearly tour album cycle. Yeah. So I, I, something tells me we, we were usually touring in, in the summer. So I have this memory of being in rehearsals in March and April and being out on the road in the summer. Cause I think that was during the, the era of sheds, you know, like the yeah. all the, and uh, 
Yeah. I, so I'm guessing we probably were recording in LA probably in the winter. You know, in the winter. Okay. I would think, but you know, I don't know. I'd have to look at the dates on some of that on the boxes on the, but it was a it, it was the extension of, it was damn the torpedoes Mach two. You know, we were in there. We we knew we could get a big drum sound. So I think we even went even bigger. You know, like the the room mics started to come into play on okay on that. Um, you know, I think we're talking about the four the fourth album. Yeah, that's around the fourth. Right. So I noticed that on the on torpedoes, it was a big drum sound, but it was not very roomy. It was yes. um, very tight and it was having a hard time articulating even my hats because they weren't turning on any overheads. You know, it was like it was almost like they were like you were playing samples. I mean, you you know, you couldn't do a drag or a rough, you know, the drums. But so on this album, I remember probably bitching and moaning a little and saying <laughs> like, Hey, can we, I see these very expensive overheads. Could we give them a try? And then, yeah. you know, so then I learned about the disruptive nature of symbols. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's interesting you say that Sam, because I was going to make the observation that even though it was the same drum kit, which was the Tama, uh, uh, blue Imperial star kit, the, the legendary kit you use for everything, basically same drum kit, same engineer, same studio, same producer. It really, it was like you say, it was like the, the drum sound to me was like another notch up as great as it was on damn the torpedoes. It had this even bigger, and I didn't attribute it until you just said that to the overheads because the drums definitely breathe more on this record to me, especially this tune. Uh, and the yeah, symbols really sparkle. I think we put the drums in a different place. I think we, Shelly, you know, it was like repeat details, they work, but maybe modify. So yeah. I think we went and um, I think I added like another Tom Tom, you know, I like, um, you know, big, big deal. You know, I think that was around the time I met you. So I went to Zildjian's. Yeah. Um, I think I, there were still Pisces maybe on this one. I think. I, I think they were, I mean, they sound like it, but you, you I don't would know. know. I don't yeah. know. I think I went to 15s on the hats because um, the great Pete Thomas from the attractions. Yes. Told me, he said like, you know, man up, get you some 15s. You know? <laughs> so I think I tried that for a, for a couple of years. You know? <laughs> uh, but I'm, I think we were, I think we were dabbling. I think I would, yeah, I, maybe I was hybriding on the symbols, but I was getting in trouble with those, you know, cause I was, Still, you know, as younger drummers do, you're a little splashy and you forget that you're actually recording. You know, you think you're performing and you kind of are, but, you know, really you're trying to make a record. So I didn't, you know, my gears were just starting to melt, <laughs> you know, right around then, like going like, oh, it's not about pleasuring myself in the studio. <laughs> I have to get a track. <laughs> You know, I have to really get a recording that they can hang parts on, you know. And I think the other guys in the band were just starting to get hip to the fact that, hey, we can make mistakes and we can overdub. Right. You know? Yeah. I didn't have that luxury, you know. You didn't have that luxury, no. Oh, and we didn't, we weren't smart enough to even consider cutting between takes or click tracks or we hadn't come to that level of sophistication. We were still basically a, a road band and um 
and we would Tom would come in with a tune on acoustic guitar and and uh, he'd play it on acoustic and you I would beg for my right to play drums you know I go I don't think it needs bongos you know it's like it but you know we were always waiting in very slowly like you know oh do we have to have drums it's like no you don't have to but I I have an idea you know. So, Bands, I think you, anybody in a band can relate. You know, you you're arranging on the fly. Everybody's in contributing, and it, it, it's self arranging. You know, you go, does that work? I don't know. I like it. Do it again. You know, so yeah. that's what happened a lot on the on that and that particular track was um, I think our bass player Ron Blair, the great Ron Blair, had decided that he had had enough. Yeah, yeah. So he was out. He literally just mic drop and left. Like, so. It was during those sessions that that happened, Stan, or I, just ahead of it. It was right in that. Right. Okay. You know, it. It seemed like that week. You know what I mean? But it was probably during that window of recording, or you know, we came off the road. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm, I, I'm not in communication with Ron anymore. It's like he's just off the radar, and um, so that's when bass players were being discussed and um and then the great duck dunn's name came up and Man. you know what do you say to that except uh-oh you know like <laughs> you have two reactions as a drummer shit or <laughs> shit you know like, <laughs> so, uh, uh. I, think, I think i did both i just felt like well that's going to be a a great moment unfortunately i i was unsophisticated enough not to know, I knew how great he was and I knew how famous he was, but I didn't know how the depth of his discography, yeah. which I'm glad I didn't know, or I would have just gurmed him all night. I just would have, yeah. I, I think I would have been able to play. I just would have been, tell me again, <laughs> tell me again, tell me again, tell me again. Yeah. You know, but he yeah. sat down and just, you know, that, that so, was past. And, and that was, was, was Jimmy Ivey the one that brought him in as producer? Did he say, I'm going to, I want to bring in Duck Dunn for this one or, or it was you, more Tom. It was more Tom. Okay. Yeah, I think Tom, you know, he'd had, we all had knowledge of that great, you know, rhythm section and that whole, you know, Booker T just every, you know, all of it. I mean, yeah, sure. It was just all the like, stacks stuff is just awesome. like legendary. Yeah. It's in, it's, it's it's the it's it's the early testament you know what i mean it's yeah, the, yeah. it's bible if you're if you came up in the late 60s and those are the cats and they look cool doing it and and so he his name got you know what if we get duck well maybe he's out in la or he was and something and and uh yeah he just he he walked right in and pipe in hand you know yeah and, uh, proceeded to i think he played Maybe I had heard the song before he did, maybe. And I remember like fumbling, talking to him about drum parts. Like, you know, as you'll, you know, you'll, you'll say like, do you want boom, 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 or, yeah. or you want boom, 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 boom. You know, it's subtle. Like, is it one and boom, boom, or is it, you know, and you, you'd ask Jimmy and he'd just go, I, you know, he <laughs> but I remember asking Doc and the perfect, reaction that southern gentleman with the pipe he looked at me he goes hey man just do your thing i'll get right with you you know oh man yeah and it was like i couldn't tell like am i being shined 
<laughs> no, he was really like, yeah, thing, man, I'm gonna, I'll be right on it. And first take, we probably fumbled for a tempo. Like, you know, too slow, too fast. You know, nobody could even agree. S- second time we counted four, you know, I probably counted it off, you know, like Tom, you know, between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Tom was in a little vocal booth facing right at me. We were probably four feet apart. So it's very immediate. And uh, we counted it off and played that. That's the take. Wow. You know, wow. Uh, amazing. And, and that, that was a question I had to ask too, was, was, you know, was there like some sort of um, agreement between the two of you guys on, on the, like the tempo, the groove, um, where the beat was? I mean, to me, this song represents a, a style that you have for a lot of the, a lot of your tunes, but definitely represents that, that behind the beat, you know, relaxed kind of almost lazy feel that you have you know, on a, on a lot of these tunes and that, you know, it's just like to have another bass, like Ron and you have been playing for five years at that point. And he knew that he knew that about you. He could just, you know, he just would fall in obviously with you without even thinking about it, but having duck Dunn come in, who's probably has his own ideas about where the beat feels and is. And there it was, you know, he's just so good. And I think, um, I think you've given it more thought than we ever did. You know, probably. I, really, <laughs> you know, I think um, it's it was never any thought in any of yeah. this. There's no premeditation. I'm going to play and lay it back. I mean, it's the only thing we the band could do. You know what I mean? It's like that's what happens when you count four and you're in a band and everybody listens and broadcasts and talks to each other. We're having conversations musically and um. So I think that Duck was just, he's, an, he's intuitive. And maybe we were all drinking the same boogie water, you know, like just growing up, we probably all listened to the same kind of music. You know, we weren't listening to Prague and we weren't listening to, you know, yeah, yeah. We were to R&B and we were listening to, you know, gospel and all that. And so it's just. That makes a big difference. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying, Stan. It really, like you were on the same page just, you know, in terms of the, you know, the, the, uh, the, inf- not even just the influences, but, you know, just the same plane, just musically you were. Yeah. Yeah. Duck I, is Duck's such a key man. When you talk about that, stop dragging my heart song, he's such a, a glorious connective tissue between what I'm trying to sell and what's actually making it to the speakers. Cause I'm kind of all over the map. If you listen to that track, I'm throwing the Whitman sampler at that thing. I'm like going, I wonder if this will stick. I'm in my mind, I'm rehearsing. I'm showing duck and the boys and I'm going, I wonder if they'll like this in the bridge or if they, you know, cause you know, you're, if you, if you, I think most drummers can relate you hunt and pack. If you yeah. don't have a chart, you know, if you're not, if you're not a chart reading guy and you're in a band, you just hunt and pack. You, you reach into your drawer and you go, well, this sometimes works. And, and so I was throwing everything, the pattern, my pattern's changing. And it's because I'm hoping somebody's going to go, that's fucking great. You know, like <laughs> so at the end of the track, I remember thinking, well, this will be a learning experience. And Duck said, let's go in and listen to one, you know. So that's. And I remember we were sitting on a couch and he sidled right up to me and 
we were he put his leg right up against mine. And I thought, well, this is nice. He's a physical, visceral, and he and he was tap like he was tapping my leg with the two and four the whole yeah. time while he's smoking the pipe. You know, like he just kept doing, you know, like, and I'm thinking, like, I I, I really like this. He's a he's he's a he's a bonding soul, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that and and then at the end of the take, it goes dead and Jimmy says it's too fast, and Tom says it's too slow, and they get into a big, not a big, but a boo-ha about tempo, and then um, the famous line, I have to say it. You can edit it if you, I don't know, maybe you can't. He texts his pipe, and he looks up, and he goes, I don't know, man. He goes, y'all, that's, and he just said, I, uh, you might want to drop me in or somewhere around that bridge. I think I had a. I had something way out. I don't know what I was going. And he punched in a bar or two. And I thought, is it that easy? Is it that easy? You know? And the answer is yes. When it's, when the people are that desiring of that kind of, we all wanted the same thing. We all, in our minds, we were fantasizing. We were making the same record in that one moment, you know? And, um, and, you know, Benmont, Tench is just extraordinary. Mike, you know, he wrote the music. Um, it was when he his demo was very linear. It didn't have any stops and starts or accents or dynamics. It was probably written to a drum dot drop, you know, like I don't know if you remember those. They were yeah, like, absolutely yeah. do, yeah. And um, so you know, I I I felt it being very spirited, you know, it would have all these big builds and that big bam, bam, bam. Then you throw in your Simon Kirkville, you know, and it was like, because that's right off of, I think I'm a, I'm leaving by bad co. You know, you steal from all the fun things you loved and see if you can shoehorn them into a record. And well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that again. I, I, I made a note of all the different components of the song in terms of the drum part. I mean, the, um, the intro, the intro to me is that the, you know, the build up and you're playing eighth notes with your left foot on the hi hat that, you know, just that, which, which you do anyway, I know, but it's that boom, boom. I'm going to, I'm going to make it a, a, a valiant attempt to play it on my iPhone. <laughs> uh, and I do apologize folks. It's all right. Hmm. Here we go. Let's see how this sounds to everybody. That right there sells the song as far as I'm concerned. It's just that that alone. That's where I was sold when I heard it. It was like, holy shit. And and so my, my question is like, did you did you kind of Composed this song like over time in your mind, like had the band been working on it for a while and you kept kind of adding things and changing things or going, this works, this doesn't. And and I know, you, like you say, I, I overthink this stuff way too much, but I just wonder if that's something that it just sort of hit you in the heat of the moment or you, you kind of had this. Well, this- let's see. There's like, oh, I mean, okay, I guess we're, we're talking drums period. So, I mean, you only have a couple options. 
if when you hear one, two, three, four, you could go boom, smack, boom, smack, boom, smack, boom, smack, bomb, bomb, smack. And I was thinking, I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. My ego is is writing a big check today, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I had tremendous ego at, at that time in my life. You know, you're 25, you just sold a buttload of records and, you know, you're, you're really feeling like maybe I'm destined to be one of them, you know, and it's like, you're, yeah, you're so but shit that that's not know. ego though, Stan. I know you, no. it's not ego. You, you were, on, you, were gotta, you were feeling confident. Well, you, you overconfident. Yeah. And so you feel like when you hear a song, you know, you hear like, nah, da, 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 and I could go, well, it's, it's not, I'm not in a folk band. So I'm, I'm, I'm the herd of Buffalo. I'm the Keith Moon here today. I'm the most important guy in the room. So, <laughs> you know, which you can wear out a room pretty quick, but on that track, it seems to work. Um, but yeah, I was, there was no real thought to it. It was just like, I'm going in big because I drummers generally inspire or depress the band as the case may be. If, if, if the drummers having a, a banner day, it usually the tide brings up all the boats, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it, and I think that those guys at that time were probably enjoying me being that guy, you know, that was the year that I got to be that guy, you know? And um, so the chart for that song is just purely me hearing a vocal. And that was pretty much how I played every heartbreakers record was, um, I listened to my singer and when he would s stop singing, I would do boom, boom, or, you know, yeah, so yeah. if he's going, baby, you come knocking on my front, boom, 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 you know, so I'm, I'm fucking with Tom thinking that I'm, I'm making his life more fun. And sometimes it would be, and sometimes yeah. he's probably just going, what the, but, you know, <laughs> And if I if he's if he's singing an accent, I'm gonna yeah uh, yeah I'm gonna I'm I'm over uh, my job as a drummer in that band was to make Tom want to to want to do his thing like to release himself because if if I could turn him on, he would turn us all he'd turn everybody on he you yeah. know so. Really, every record I ever made is, is, you know, at least those early, maybe the first six or seven, they're all about me hearing a live vocal. I'm not hearing a click track or they weren't, you know, like, I think we had a nice bond, you know, the singer and the drummer had a bond that was like, let's make this work together, you know? Yeah, sure. And, yeah. And that that's really, I think that's, maybe that's a lost art now because but that used to be the whole thing was like get a good beat and get a good vocal and you probably got you a track you know yeah so, yeah you're right i mean it's 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 hate to say it, but it's a whole lot easier now to to achieve that um and it and it's yeah it's kind of a lot but but without veering too far into that i you know i it comes back i want to just play a little bit more of the track just for people to hear it i know everybody knows this song but um This is what I mean about the um, 
the feel. I mean, I've played this song in bands, and that's a crazy feel. That's just... And all those hi-hat barks. You can hear Stevie's vocal le leaking through there. Um, you know, and there's a, 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 some parts where you're lifting. You can, you can hear that you're, you know, you're playing those eighth notes in the hi-hat, and you're lifting just in little, not a full burp, but you're just letting some air out. And it's, it, it's like we've talked about with our friend Charlie. You know, he had that, that sort of uh, elastic kind of thing that he would do. And it, it reminds me of that, that sort of push-pull thing but the time the time never changes it just makes this sort of rubbery feel in a few it, places it'd be funny to look at it on a grid i'd mean i'd love to see it with the grid markers and see just how how because ben my used to claim that my snare was late but my bass drum was early or something like that you know yeah and like i don't you know now that i've been recording at home you know, with Pro Tools, like everybody else for the last eight years, you know, I've been able to see what I actually do, yeah. you know, naturally. And it's, it is interesting. Like every drummer has a biological rhythm that they like to play in that particular track, you know, mid tempo. That's kind of where I live. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I sort of I'll, suck fast. And I'll I bet it's perfect on the grids, Dan. I'll, I'd bet you anything. I'll bet it's no, perfect. No such thing. But the, um, it's, uh, it, but that temp, that tempo, I it never wears me out. You know, I I will play yeah. a song, that one I I I live for that tempo. So maybe that's where my heartbeat is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I live right about it. Boom, schmack. Yeah, boom, that's boom. kind of right where you got lucky is too. I'd say right. Would you say it's right about the same? That might be a little peppier. A little but, peppier. Okay. Yeah, but this yeah. one's pretty. It's pretty boggy, you know. It's like, yeah, it's fun. I mean, those those tempos are really fun to me. And the snare drum gets such a big space, you know. Yeah, it's it like all this. You hit it, and you don't have to hit it for a while. You know, you bow, bow. It's like there's a lot of air in there, and it's 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 it feels kind of sexy when you're a drummer to to have that your elbows out that far, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's fun. So, it's really fun, you know? So when you were recording it, was it sounding that great in the cans? Like, were you really digging the sound you were getting? Was that contributing to just making it feel even better to you? Like you yeah. were getting that, that nice big, it was the Ludwig snare too, by the way, right? The, the Ludwig. Six and a half. Six all and a half Badger. Ludwig. Yeah, yeah. All of that. You still got it. It's a great drum. It was yeah. probably a, um, Probably a CS spot tuned really deep. Um, yeah. Probably with a, um, probably some bun wad and some duct tape, even, you know, like it's pretty, it's pretty hogged out. I mean, yeah. It, and the snare bed is pretty loose, you know, like. And you're getting that, like, that almost like analog, like, kind of sound from it yeah it's probably room and probably not much verb i doubt yeah. there's verb i room was our go you know like if if i needed like extension it would be like you know turn up the 67s you know like or there might have been a c24 out in the room something really nice like a cool stereo large cap mic and you know just because i mean sound city had everything you know there yeah. was like yeah 
it was, you know, and Shelly, I mean, it was a joke when they, I mean, remember, I remember Tom walking in and seeing my drum kit because I would go in and uh, work from nine till four getting drum sounds. Van would show up at five and um, he walked in and he goes, what is it? We having a fucking press conference here? <laughs> like Every mic, you know, in Sound City was, you know. Like, On the yeah. drum kit, yeah. Tom was like, can I get a 57 for my vocal? You know, so. <laughs> you know, so I've like, seen the pictures. It's incredible. I mean, yeah, I, it really is truly. Yeah. It's like every. Yeah. But the joke is probably only six of those mics are on the track, but there's some. Um, but yeah, you had to beat the hell out of those drums. And I I mean, they you really had to hustle those that kit, you know, and it's pretty much dead stick in the beater. You know, yeah. it's hardcore. There's two. The, the lot of there's a Shelly's perfect pillow, you know, like. It's, and with his perfect weight, you had to have that, you know, everything was, and then he, I think he had a 441 on the kick drum and a, probably an old, whatever the, maybe a D112 or something, you know. Yeah, and it was sure. Two, and oddly enough, I think he put him out of phase on the bass drum to get the real knock on it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, it was a hard kit to play. I, I It wasn't fun. But but yeah, when you asked me, was that in my headphones? Hell yes. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, and, that drums, and you like, were, yeah. You can't you can't act like that. You have that sound without having that sound. Yeah. Yeah. Of you can't course. Play like pretend that it's going to happen later. You know, it's all reacting. You know, everything reacts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I would think so. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, it I I would have to think that that was a big motivator and and just getting the track that you got because it just, you know, it sounded so great to you. And, and, uh, you know, I, I want to just play a little bit more too. just, I just, I made a couple more notes here. Let's see. So the 16th note hi-hat part that you play as you go, um, I guess it's from the bridge to the, let me see. Let's see if I can find where it is. It's about two minutes in, I think. We'll talk about those fills in a minute too. This part right here. Take it to the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You kidding me? I tell you, Stan. When this song was on the radio, every drummer I knew wanted to be you, including me. I I wanted to be me. <laughs> I'm telling like, you. I won't lie to you. It was like, you know, come on. It's like, I mean, th there was, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. You know, I thought, I mean, to me, that seems so normal to have that much drumming. Now I hear it and I go, this guy is out of his freaking mind. <laughs> You know, it's like Mongo. You can't resist a fill. It's like, you know, it's so funny. It's like every chance, every four, you know, it's like every four bars. There's some, even if it's just a little one, please, can I just sneak one in there? It's, you know, it's just like, it's the um, self-gratification at its finest. No, but it's, but it really, I mean, I think, again, all the drummers watching this will agree. It's everything fits perfectly where you put it. It's not overplaying by any stretch. It's, it's like this, this perfectly, you know, composed part that where each bit fits. I'm telling you, you know, there's a, um, 
Yeah, well, I, I just the the quarter note, the the ride symbol bell thing that you do as you come into that intro, you know, that where you count it back in, that ding, 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 ba ba ba. You know, I mean, like all these different sections all have a a, a purpose as a as a part of the composition. I mean, that's I I think there's no reason for us drummers to think that you know we can't compose an integral like important part of a song. Well, that particular song is like yeah. you know it's bluesy. Um, it's very, uh, the lyric is really, uh, evocative of some intense emotion. So it, it rolls out a red carpet for, for a drummer. If you, if, if you're encouraged and nobody discouraged me. So it, yeah. in that band, if, unless you were told no, you had a yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Um, and with, there was very little talking, you know, I'm talking more now than I ever talked to them. It's like, you know, so it's, it was just go for it. That was the feeling. Go for yeah. it. I think what 81, there was probably, like I said, everybody was turbocharged. We were, we were successful and yeah. And, 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 so. and probably feeling some pressure too, with a, this is the follow-up to a huge record, a record that was just a smash. So now you've got to come back less than a year later or about a year or so late you've been on the road you know supporting this gigantic record you got to come back and then you've got to you know everybody's expecting you to make a better record you know i probably was too stupid to even feel that i mean honestly i think probably tom was much more astute on a business level like what was happening and and he, you know he we all kind of knew the third record was make or break you know, yeah. we're all going to be like back at the donut shop if this doesn't work, you know. And um, so I figured I figured naively that once you are successful, this is how stupid my mind was probably. If I, if I could talk to that guy, well, this is just for the rest of your life now. Mm. You know, you'll never <laughs> this. This is going to be. Oh, it's a one way trajectory. You know, <laughs> nobody thought to explain the parabolic. You know, like or whatever the, the nightmarish curve you will be on for the rest of your life. But, it, you know, at that point, I, I probably believed in miracles because I think we all did. You know, we well, were, you got you're in your 20s. You have this success. You're on the radio. Like, yeah. How could you not think that? Right. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. You, know, you know, you. I don't even know if I was even smart enough to think to realize how how lucky, you know, I was just like, well, you know, yeah, I've been selected. It's my turn, you know, <laughs> it is until years later, you go like, whoa, you know, so it, it was fun to be there. And that time, you know, I think that you're hearing a lot of bravado, you know, like on the drums specifically, but everybody, I know Tom was feeling his oats, man. Everybody was bowed up, you know, yeah, yeah. we were all boy, you know, we were all, and, uh, you know, being from the South, it was like, we 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 proved it, you know, in our mind. It's like, you know, okay, we want a good fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. So now we're going to, you know, but I I don't know what I was, I really don't know where I was coming from, but I just know it was like a lot of, I felt like I could put a lot of drums on this thing, you know, until somebody said no. And then when Duck backed me up, it was like, forget yeah. it. Well, I mean, in each section too, I, I wanted to make, make a point of this, I, I, I think, it goes without saying, but you know, you're setting up all these parts of the song with what you're doing. And, and that's 
you know, that's part of the job of a drummer besides obviously keeping great time. And, uh, but it's like, there's a, you know, like each of these things we're talking about the 16th note section in there where you, during the bridge, you know, it, it leads to another section, it, you know, the, the, the quarter note of the bell, you know, leads to the verse. It's, 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 it's beautifully constructed is what I'm trying to say. It really is. It's, very kind. I think some of that too is, and a lot of drummers will probably understand this too. And I'm sure you will. Early in an arrangement, when the band doesn't know the song, and you feel like you do, when the drummer actually feels like I actually own this thing, you know, I, I know this song. Like that's yeah, the thing. I yeah. I couldn't read music, and I'm dyslexic. So if I heard anything, I can, I would remember it. My my memory was very quick. Like so, if I heard the song, I I almost knew it. And uh, I felt that I was, if I don't introduce these other sections, the other guys might fall asleep and not know. So in my mind, I was, I was calling muster for the yeah. next section all the time going, you might not remember, here <laughs> it comes now. <laughs> so it's, um, so there was a lot of that going on too. And, and we would acknowledge each other physically a lot. Like yeah, yeah. Mike would, if I was, you know, he could feel me going into something you get a he'd give you the look like right oh yeah here we go you know and yeah Enmont always you know he was his his physical motion was on two and four you know he just he would never let you know he was almost a visual metronome you know to watch him when he played it was really fun yeah. so the band was really you know when a band is hitting on their cylinders it's it's a it's 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 something to see man you know it's a hell of a thing to ride you know Absolutely. And and you had a lot at stake because, you know, as you pointed out, I mean, you couldn't go back and overdub your part. You you kind of had you you wanted to get a great track. You wanted to get a great take and you wanted the rest of the guys along with you. Right. I mean, that's kind of like you're, yeah. you're you're invested in it. And, you know, I, guys, come on. I want to I want to nail this on the on the first go or the second go. And well, yeah, as opposed yeah. to having got a terrific second verse. Yeah. Just like nowadays, it's almost like you can build from there. It's like, right. oh, I got a great outro now. It's like, no, you got to spank this bitch from letter A. Yeah. You know, yep. it's like you from actually your count off has to actually sound convicted. Like right. You can't just count and go one, two, three. It's like you got to really you you tell them what your energy level is by the way you speak into, you know, and with your how you hit your sticks together is already a call to glory. So I think there's a lot of that um, conviction. You know, you have to feel like you're really going to make this work. This is going to be, we're going to sell this. And um, and I think the whole band could feel that. You could feel everybody in the room like, you, you're ready to take one. Yeah. You never yeah. got to like, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. You know, like, so. Well, okay. you know, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stan. You can only cut like two or three passes before you ran out of tape anyway. You know, right at 30 ips five minute song you know that's all you got yeah. so two passes or three passes would always be take a break reload you know and yeah. and listen. so that was kind of fun too and and this version that we all know and love is the second basically the really the first real take the first time through is kind of a run through uh, that's my memory is like yeah we 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 worked it up. We heard, we kind of heard in our heads. I had one, like I said, one quick discussion with Doc about a bass drum figure, which he basically said, eh. And then 
off to the races we went. And then it was, it was, I think we were done. I think they might, the cats might've, uh, they might've patched a couple of things together, or, but you know, knowing Ben Mott, I'm sure his pass was already yeah. done. You know, he's done. Yeah. He's, he's played, he's a beautiful player. And the, the uh, you mentioned the outro a second ago, just as an example. And there's a, again, so let's see if I have it in the right spot. Here's the eighth notes in the hi-hat. I love that, man. Come on. I love that. You're playing like a little triplety thing in the ride. Now you're going to switch to the 16th note thing again on the hi-hat in a second. Getting cute with the bass drum, too. Nice. Oh, man. Beautiful. Throwing, throwing the Whitman sampler at him. <laughs> That's Maybe beautiful. Something will stick. You know? <laughs> no, it's it's it's... I think it's a masterpiece. I really do. And in terms of a beautifully constructed drum part, you know, that supports all the parts of the song and, and is a big part of why that's such a great song. I mean, everybody's great on the, on the track, obviously duck oh, Dunn, Yeah. yeah. Oh. And Stevie and Tom and, and Ben and Mike and everybody's, you know, Tom, Tom is a, well, was a, a just a, a hell of a rhythm guitar player. Yeah, I mean, he really was. He had a beautiful. Um, it wasn't constructed. It was. Um, it was almost at the guardrail the whole time. It was like almost off, the, but it was like it was great. Like he he almost would play sometimes without a pick. He would just he would just hit that guitar, you know, just talk to it a little bit, and and it was pretty the way he could finesse. He played, he, he was a, they were all drummers. Everybody in the band was a pretty good, like metric. They had a nice feel. Yeah. And I think yeah. That that's a lovely thing when you get, if you have a band and you're lucky enough to be in a band where they, they all feel music in the same place or even for a moment, it doesn't last forever. You know, it's yeah. like, but for that moment, you know, man, even if it's just for a song, we all actually felt that, you know, that's why, the classic bands are so classic because they actually, you hear the bond, you know, like you hear that in that track, like you hear the the hope in the intro and the, then you hear the celebration in the outro and there's a bond happening, you know, with the, we're all bonding with the song. We're bonding with each other. And um, it's, it's like when you listen to a good record, it's like you almost get to, you're auditing a frat party, you know? Yeah it's, like, yeah, it's really a fun. It's like wow, it's really a great thing to list if it's a good, if it's that kind of record. Now there's all kinds of records, but that kind of soul music, or you know, that's sort of what white guys playing soul music. That's 
that's as that's as close as I can get. Yeah, you know, with with brothers playing my my version of my soul. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, well, I I think I think what comes across to me as a drummer listening to that and for me to almost kind of sort of sum it up is it's the the playing i mean any playing you're you always sound confident in your playing to me it's always and you've told me that you know at times you've played things and thought like i don't know if this is going to work but to me you hear that and it's just it's it's so like each part sounds so confident and i was getting to that earlier when i was you know asking like if you remember if you guys had worked on it a lot uh, ahead of time or or did it just sort of come together it sounds so fresh like it's like it hadn't been played 10,000 times it really yeah. has that freshness yeah it really is it's tripping all over each other in a, yeah. in a, a really fortunate way you know it's a, yeah. I mean a, a hit record is is sometimes it's luck you know it's yeah. just luck I mean I, you know like Motown actually had a formula and they could they enhanced their luck because they had amazing songwriters, amazing musicians, amazing singers, great producers, you know, and a sound. So they yeah. focused their luck, you know, and I, I admire that. But sometimes, you know, it's like you just, you got, you got your lucky, right song, right time, right band, right studio, right engineer, you know, mm, yeah. you know, Iveen must've heard the song. He loved it so much. He took it from us. <laughs> yeah well i didn't want to get into all that but that's you know oh, it's true though it's like yeah, you know, yeah. Hey, this is so good i'm gonna i, I gotta have it so, can't, can't blame him i'm gonna use this for this other person i'm producing sure. maybe i'll get it back to you guys later <laughs> oh man well you know and i gotta say when i when i listen to the isolated track for sure um i i would never doubt you but i i it sounds like there's still it might be the the tail end of the Peisty era for you because that China, China really, feels it, like it. yeah, it sounds beautiful, but it's got that that kind of um, nasty ka that you know you the Zildjian's yeah. that you used always had a really nice China swishy sound, but that's got that Peisty, so and they, they sound nice and bright and sparkly. I wish I still had it. I don't have those. That was a that was that big cup, the big. Square belt, yeah, yeah, the yeah. nasty looking thing, and I always put them the wrong way, so they just eat sticks, <laughs> yeah, like <a> salad bowl, <laughs> or whatever, yeah, you know, and uh, but <laughs> I do the same thing. Our buddy Charlie always <clears throat> played yeah. his, yeah, that way, and and uh, as he used to say, I play it the proper way, so oh, yeah, good. okay, yeah. well, that's how I feel, but it was fun, but you couldn't, you had to kind of pull your punch a little on that because you, you could hear it in the room like if you actually spanked that symbol you you know you probably get guys in the headphones going hey really you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and in and the you know the 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 bell you know this part that you play in the bell as you bring the song back in you know the four count thing that sounds like a, a 2002 hmm. ride to me too it's just got that nice clear really kind of you know great recording sound so but um the drum sound as always was was just it, it just it made it all like it you know it was the complete package of what you played the sound the great shelly yakis yourself playing the drums yeah everything oh, Shelley, man yeah he's yeah. he was something else man i mean yeah that was yeah that was another one of those lucky like you know you, you meet a get 
can can a phone call make a difference? Yes. You know? <laughs> like it's like one guy can make a real difference in your life. Yeah. 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 Well, Stan, as we, as we start to wrap it up, I wanted to just ask you, first of all, I, I want to thank you again for doing this today. And I want to thank everybody for watching. And um, unlike other episodes that I do on Live from My Drum Room, this is going to go right up to YouTube, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow. So you don't have to wait to see this. It's going to be it's going to be up there. Uh, right. Track Talk. And this is the the inaugural episode. But um, I wanted to just ask you about any iconic tracks that you like um one or two or as many as you want to mention uh of anybody's of anybody's yeah oh man there's so many you know when you're growing up like the stuff it to me nothing beats those tracks that that just sent you you know when you were a little boy you know and like absolutely sent you over the moon and um yeah I, i'll hit a couple you know like let's see you know paperback rider ringo yeah. You know, just like yeah. sent me over the edge. Um, she's a rainbow, Charlie. Oh man. Yeah. You know, just the orchestral nature of that way he stops and starts and you know, um uh 50 ways to leave your lover, Gad. Later in life I realized, well, that's another kind of drumming that I'll never figure out, but that's amazing, you know. Um great choices, yeah. Yeah, um Kenny Jones, Miss Judy's farm, the faces. Stuff like that, just, just, man, wailing and s sailing and wailing on that stuff. Um, you know, I, oddly enough, a track that killed me when I was a little boy was uh, Clive Bunker playing uh, Teacher by oh. Jeff Oh, Yeah, yeah. You know, like the way he changed from halftime, you know, to like double time. Yeah. The way he did that transition, I remember it's just it made me crazy. It made me drive the car faster. Like it, you know, and, uh, you know, the great Dino Danelli, you know, come on up, you know, stuff like that. The rascals, you yeah. know, just, just those drum tracks. It just, uh, and then Jim Capaldi, you know, I don't know if you were like, you know, there was a traffic at a song called Pearly Queen, you know, and it was like the same thing. He would turn, he went from kind of a halftime to a, a he, tripped his way into a really fast, almost jazzy section. And, and, you know, all those guys, you know, they were like, they were, they were just reaching into me, man. I mean, you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't even know how good they were. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're stupid. Cause you think you can do that. You know, when you're in your bar band and you're going, yeah, I'm killing it, man. I'm, I'm Jim Capaldi here. I'm, <laughs> you, you know, they put the tape recorder on and you go, no, I suck. You know, I, I actually suck. So <laughs> absolutely. That's me anyway. I I, I can well, relate to I, that. I, I think any drummer worth his salt, I hope, has the you know the wherewithal to realize that like it's a really intriguing gig. It's um it it's not it's not a set and forget it. You know, you don't just yeah, you don't just do it and think that it's great. You, you it has moments where you, you have to feel that it's really great. You know, it has to really get deep down in you and it's greasy. And it's, and those are the most, and I'm sorry that the records aren't made like that anymore, but I'm not an old Schnauzer and I'm not just lamenting. I'm just saying that there's, that's a, that's a lost art in the world today. You know, the yeah sort of the woodcrafting, it's a li very limited market. And that's what old records were like, like whittling, you know, you, 
What, what yeah. can we leave out? What can we leave out? You know, what do we not need to do? And, you know, but yeah, I, thanks. Thanks for acknowledging that track. I, that's Jesus. That 40, how, how many long 40, 42 years. Yeah. Geez. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun, you know, <laughs> thanks. Well, thank you for, for, you know, indulging me and indulging all of us and remembering it so well. And, and, uh, cause I know that's a tall order to, to have you, you know, dig deep, you know, back into something that happened 42 years ago and remember it so well as you have and, and sharing all this information. It's great. No, it was, it's a lot of fun. I really didn't, I, I, I have pretty good recall. I can't remember what I had for lunch, but I can remember, <laughs> I can remember in the 80 sessions. <laughs> uh, I think that's what happens when we get to a certain age, right? I mean, I, I know I was, I was singing a, uh, like a TV commercial uh, theme from the 60s to my wife the other day. And she's like, what is that? I said, it was this commercial, like when I was about five. And I can't tell you what I did yesterday, but I, but these things, you know, are still in my brain. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It's Man, weird. Speaking of drum tracks, the very first track that I, just so you know, um, it was called No Matter What Shape Your Stomach's In, The Great Hal Blaine. It was yeah. a band called The T-Bones. If you have a chance, that was the first 45 I ever bought because I wanted to learn the drum break. And it was like, I was 11. And it was like, it's, I didn't even know it was Hal Blaine. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I think it was on everything that was any good, you know? So, right. But if you anybody cares, Google the T-Bones, no matter what shape your stomach's in. I think it was an Alka-Seltzer commercial too. But the swing on that track, man, like. I'll check it out. Oh, man. Just back when, you know, swinging, everything's just, you know. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. Oh, you definitely definitely swing when you play. No doubt. No doubt. I would love the world should swing, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Stan, hang with me for one second. I'll end the broadcast and we'll we'll say goodbye in the in the Zoom room. But I want to thank everybody for watching today. My first episode of Track Talk with I couldn't have had a better first guest, the great Stan Lynch. Big hand, everybody. Thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, hang on if you would one second, Stan, and I'll I'll come right back to you. You bet. <laughs>